G'day guys, welcome to another edition of the D2 Live. I'm joined as always by four-time national road champion Johnny Trevorrow and Olympic gold medalist Scotty Scooter McGrory. Fellas, we promised yesterday a monster show today. Mm-hmm. And uh, as with most things that we talk up too much, we may or may not have <laughs> some big guests. <laughs> What's the latest, John? You're our, our talent manager. Well, my last, I got a, I got a text from Dave Brasford just five minutes ago because we sent him a pretty detailed uh, list of what we're going to talk about. I think it scared him. Yeah. <laughs> he said, mate, I'm on the team bus on the way to start, so I can't really speak openly now, mate. Well, that's okay. Fair enough. And So and I just I just went back and said, look, just five minutes, we'll talk about the weather. <laughs> and we're going to get him on, I'll get him on the rest day where we can really go into it a bit more. But I think he'll, he'll, we might get five minutes out of Dave, uh, Sir Dave, uh, in the next hour. Let's just hope. All right. And what about Luke Rowe? Is he still in bed? <laughs> I, I think he's still in bed. I think he's still asleep. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Wake up, Luke. Wake up, Luke. <laughs> uh, unpacking last night's stage, boys, uh, I did say Demar. And I mentioned that to Waddy as well, and he said, "Oh no, he's, he probably won't get over that climb, or, or the was it the climb or something about a climb." But good form in 2020 carries over. Uh, so yeah, he, you... he, he did say that. That's true, and we we mm. all doubted him and uh, and you. And uh, as you pointed out to me, I haven't picked a winner so far in this tour, so mm. uh, I, I better uh, get on my game. Mm. It was a, a very impressive win, and, and the interview afterwards, you could just see how. I think it, it was probably unexpected um, and by how dominant he was in the sprint. It shouldn't have been. Um, but you could just see the excitement. You could really hear it in the, in the, in the interview after the stage. Um, yeah. It was the cat, the cat three that was – it started 33 k's to go. Big, wide-open road, though, and he got up over that okay. But there was a really steep pinch only a couple of k's out, 2.7 k's out, and that's where he drifted back a little bit in the group. So it was a struggle to get over it. But to his benefit, he didn't have any teammates at the top, but to his benefit, Astana with Jakob Fulsan, he drove right around the outside of everybody for his sprinter, Faline, and Demar got onto the back of that. And it was a double left-hander at the end that they went around the outside. And he just, with momentum, straight around the outside onto the Astana yeah. lead-out train and then just absolutely pumped him. And the whole day had been set up by Bora for Sargon. And he um, he just misfired completely. But, uh, hey, Michael yeah, Matthews, yeah. no. Good ride by him, second place. Yeah, and a good and a good second place actually. I mean, no doubt, Demar was the demand, but uh, and it put a big gap in. But uh, uh, Michael looked very good in the last hundred minutes to whisk past a couple and uh, to run second. So, um, yeah, yeah, demand. Uh, um, you know, the, it puts it puts him in. Sorry, mate, it puts him in um, the points lead as well. So he's thirty nine points ahead of Sagan now. So as we saw at the Tour de France, Sagan is on the back foot early and having a chase to try and get back into the uh, the Malia Chiclomina, the purple jersey. Um, one mm. thing I noticed that um, Sunweb put out a video on uh, Michael Matthews, uh, and it was like I was watching, it was like a funeral or something. Like, you know, second place, nothing to sneeze at. Have a look at this video. I thought it might be just me and it might just be the music, but I thought they could have been a little bit more upbeat. hectic as we all expected but um, I think the team did a great job to to position us uh, guys that were gonna do the final um, into the last 4k um, quite a steep uphill for about 800 meters and then from then on it was chaotic sprinting as always but um, yeah I had to take a few risks to be able to stay up there but uh, yeah I think in the final I had some good legs to do the sprint. Unfortunately, wasn't on Demar's wheel when he started his sprint, but uh, was able to come around for second place. And um, yeah, we're making our way to that uh, 
to that stage win. Uh, Wilco was really good yesterday with the team and um, yeah, again today we were close again. So yeah, we'll keep fighting and uh, hopefully that stage win is uh, coming soon. Sorry, is that a little bit too dark or? Yeah, well, a little bit, wasn't it? Uh, Luke, Luke uh, that was Luke Roberts in the background too, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he was the first yeah. voice. He sent it really down when he was announcing yeah. second place for, for Michael. Yeah. 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 That set the scene for the video. It just dragged it right down from the start. Yeah, and it just went all the way through. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I thought, you know, maybe next time. Yeah, Ma they, maybe they're, they're all a bit dark. He did, uh, he did give him uh, the, the team a bit of a burst. Uh, in about the second or third day of my stage, he, he blamed the team for not getting him up there. So Ooh. I thought, no, oh, maybe he should have uh, – uh, that was on site news, I think, or something like that. And so, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, did, you got, he did a Cadell. You've got to be careful. Blame the team. Yeah, you've got to be careful with that sort of stuff, Bling. Um, you're better off staying very positive and just spit out generic comments like, um, you know, it wasn't our day, team did a great job. Um Never well, he was, but he, but he was dead right. They, they weren't there to help him. So, but I'm very impressed with Sunweb, though. Uh, yeah. They, they were, for me, they were the team of the Tour de France, and uh, and you know they have a go all the time. Something about them it's quite exciting. I don't know what's changed with them in the last twelve months, but this year they have been uh, the, the the excitement machine team. I'll tell you what's yep. changed with them since the Tour de France, John, is um, the Tour de France team isn't at the Giro. It's a different group of guys and they're just not the same. <laughs> no, no, the but they've, they've, been, they've been good in this too. No, no, I'm saying yeah. this year, they've changed this year in their approach to everything and they've been having a go in this. They're up the road. They're, 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 uh, they might have helped Matthew on that one day, Michael. But uh, um, no, they're, they're, they're impressive. Yeah, Kelderman's still in the mix for the, for the overall classification. So, hey, but at the same time, Arnold DeMar had no teammates at the end either. They got him into position for the last couple of Ks, um, but then he had to freelance and he, he had to float, he had to surf the peloton and, and follow a starter. So, and Michael was at the front. He was where Sagan was at the start of the sprint. So they, those guys were kind of balked at the front of the peloton because there were no lead-out guys for anyone. It was only uh, Jakob Fulsang, you know, his GC guy that stepped up for his teammate Fellini. That's what benefited DeMar. So... Yeah. Um, you can't be too hard on, on any of the teams because you know, the depth isn't there for the sprinter lead-out trains at the Giro this year, unfortunately, which is going to make it interesting every day. That's exciting. Um, we talked to sports director Matt White a little bit later, but um, Scooter, how much is sprinting about confidence? Oh, absolutely. Huge um, in terms of you know making sure you're in the right position, being confident enough to know that the race is for you. It's for you to lose. and Because every sprinter wants to be in the right position. And as I say, DeMar came from behind. He was being very, very nervous at about 700 metres to go, thinking he was out of it, but then saw an opportunity, followed the right wheels. Um, had the Astana guys not gone, DeMar may not have won, probably wouldn't have won the stage. Um, but you can see it now with him. You know, Once you get a stage win, once you get on a roll, and, and the sprinters that come into a race like the Giro and say, oh, I want to win a couple of stages, they, that's a very, very dangerous thing to do. You want to go in and say, look, I'd like to win a stage. I'm going to try and win a stage. And, of course, once you win one, then you might be able to go on. You might want to win two or three or four stages, but you never say that publicly. Well, you should never say that publicly. But once you get a win, it's also the confidence that other riders have in you, which might sound strange, but your opponents see that, oh, well, this is a guy. Like Everyone's going to fight for DeMar's wheel now. So he's going to be able to get himself into a better position than whether he had to fight everybody else for someone else's position to get into the right spot. So um, it helps. It helps, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And if you, the thing is, is um, when sprinters get to a point in their career, um, you're looking, and we asked this about Whitey later with Viviani, but um, it's very hard to keep that edge in the sprints. You know, you look at um, cases of sprinters, uh, particularly in the last five or six years, once they drop off and they don't get that confidence back, it's very hard to have one or two lean years as a sprinter, then all of a sudden be back on top again. You've almost got to hold it, yeah? There's not many who come back. There's not many. No. Yeah. Cav, Sorry, Cav, Cav, is the perfect, Cav is the perfect uh, example of that, you know? The last yeah. couple of years, he just has not been able to get that mojo back, has he? No. No, no. no unfortunately. But, hey... Who, who wouldn't want a, a spring career like his, though? So you're talking about probably the best we've seen. 
in the last several generations. Um, Cipollini would be put up there as well. But look, Cav, 30 stage wins at the Tour de France, multiple stages at the Giro. The guy was extraordinary. Um, you know, at some point he's going to slow down, isn't he? Yep, for sure. Uh, we've got some uh, comments coming in. Ian Thomas, you're right, Dan. Who died? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Samantha. Big fan of the show. Hey, Sam, uh, thoughts on the COVID situation in Europe? Will we see more race cancellations? What do you I'm reckon? I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Uh, the the uh, uh, France have already stopped all sporting events and uh, the Paris-Roubaix is very doubtful at this stage. Yeah. So Ansel's yep. off, Roubaix possibly next, you know, anything else. So Paris Tours is on this weekend. So at the moment that's going ahead. So and it's, obviously it's this weekend now, so they're not going to cancel it now. So that's that might be the last. Uh, oh, they are going ahead because I I, t- I was told that they, that when it came out yesterday, they said they were cancelling all sporting events. Oh well, perhaps it is. Sorry. So going from what yeah. I saw yesterday, it might have been before yeah. they said that. But um, oh, yeah. oh, hopefully it is. Well, I know that uh, the the Lille Robay area of uh, of uh, France is. One of the worst spots. That's why why Paris in so much trouble, and Paris as well. But as we know, Paris Bay starts in Compiègne, which is sort of eighty k out of out of Paris. So uh, it's not so bad at the start. And uh, they're talking about they're going to uh, uh, the French government saying they would run it without fans. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, you just brought up an interesting point there, John, because um, this is completely off topic, and hopefully you guys will let me go there. But you mentioned go how for it. Paris Roubaix um, does start, you know, what is it, eighty k's or so out of uh, north of Paris in Compiègne. Um, that was the point that was brought up quite a bit when the Melbourne to Warrnambool, which is obviously you know, Australia's most prestigious old race, um, because it starts down in uh, well, it had been starting closer to Werribee now, so it starts um, at Avalon. Air, uh, airport and a lot of people say well oh, that's not the Melbourne to Warrnambool it should start in Melbourne and then you remind people hang on things like Paris-Roubaix it's been a long time since they've actually started in Paris um, people can't seem to get their, their head around that but, um, there's a lot of races like that yeah mm. well the, the Melbourne to Warrnambool is the second oldest uh, bike race in the world uh, Liège Bastogne Liège is the oldest and uh, Melbourne to Warrnambool is the second it starts in and Liège it- though doesn't it Liège <laughs> pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> Is it, isn't the Austral one of the oldest track races yeah. in the world? It is the oldest track it's race the, in the world. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Um, I, saw, I saw the wean dog. He's out of the race. Um, yes. Yes, starting. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll did try it, and get did, him on the rest day. Did, did you uh, – what, 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 I mean, he, he had that fall, hit a, another damn drink bottle. He had um, problems with concussion. So halfway through the stage, he he said to his team, Doctor, I'm feeling foggy. And they're like, uh-oh, okay, we better pull you out. So we talked about that with Brody O'Donnell on the Tour de France yeah. about the concussion protocols. And we had some yeah. suggestions that they need like shock inserts into the helmet so you can detect impact and things like that. But, um, yeah, obviously it's, it's definitely going to be an issue moving forward um, on what the right protocols are. Um, and there were, remember there was a... Famous crash. Oh, no, that was from heat exhaustion. I was going to say um, Matty Lloyd at the Tour Down Under one-year scooter. Didn't he have a really bad crash, but that was – was that yeah. concussion related or – No, no, heat exhaustion. He basically blacked out on a descent and just went over the handlebars. It was mm, um, yeah. horrific and terrible. Um, shocking one was um, Tour of California a couple of years ago. Um, Rider's name escapes me now, but uh, had a nasty crash and the vision showing him trying to get back on the bike. And he was basically just falling over himself – trying to get back on the bike, walking around the road as other groups were coming past on the descent. It, it was so obvious that, you know, he had concussion. He'd really smacked his head pretty badly. Um, and that's mm. probably one of the, 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 the worst to, uh, you know, to demonstrate just, you know, what it is like. But how do you how do, you do it? Like the, in the, his case, it was pretty clear that he was banged up, um, didn't know where he was. But a lot of these cases, you don't know. You know, talk to the riders afterwards and they've forgotten what happened in the stage. Mm. But if you hold them for too long, that's it. They're out of the race anyway. So yeah. you're not going to get back a, on. So it's a challenge. Yeah, it yeah. is. And our sport is so different to other sports. You know, football, yeah. most yeah. te- team sports, you've got 
doctors sitting there. You can keep them there. You can look at them and uh, and analyze it all. But certainly, you can't do that. And so, I think that uh, the, the technology is there. That impact uh, a sensor on a helmet is an obvious uh, uh, way forward. You yeah. know what I'd do though, if I was a racer and, I'd, and if there was someone, so if it's coming up to sprint, I'd just go up to the uh, the favourite of the sprint and just give him a quick whack to the back of the helmet. Sensor would go <laughs> off, and they'd tell him he'd have to get off the bike. Easy. <laughs> you sound like um, the bloke from Tour of Turkey, Theo Boss. Theo Boss. Guys, what we haven't what we haven't mentioned is good a good ride by Aussie Jimmy Whelan, who made it into the break last night. Four riders in the break. He was in the end the last one to get caught. He went away on the that. Cat three climb, so he was the strongest of the group. Um, so good to see the former runner that came through the National Road Series um, riding really well at EF um, Education. So good ride by him. And I don't know if you guys noticed, but one of the other riders that was in the break, because we've had Filippo Ghana win two stages, he's leading the King of the Mountains competition. And in the break, we had Filippo Zana. So we've had Ghana and Zana. <laughs> and at one point, I thought Zana Ghana. But it wasn't to be. It was to <laughs> 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 Well done. That's some vintage <laughs> shit there. You work on that one, He's boss. Bad. He's bad. <laughs> I saw it. Like I looked at the, I looked at it. I thought, look at that. Goes on. Goes on. Alan, so forty years ago this week, I rode the Warney with Iffy. There you go, John. You can talk about yourself. <laughs> well, that that skull and uh, his brother Johnny Sovereign was uh, you know a, a, a really good bike rider. Al and of course Al, you were as well. And he's been on a couple of tours to France with us, uh, Skull. Um, and uh, he doesn't live up to his nickname either. He might, but uh, anyway, it's another story. Oh, well, <laughs> what, what mark was he, What mark? Do you remember what mark Al would have been off? Uh, only because it was it was a, it was an amateur, and that was the year they made the Warney Pro Am, so that Beryl Burton could ride, and gave Johnny Hine uh, thirty minutes, and he he, he won it quite easily. Uh, Roar Tar wind. It was uh, one of the fastest days of all time, and I, I I think he was in the front half of the of of the race, but I'm not sure exactly what Mark uh, Skull was on. Jeez, okay. mate, with with um with the tail wind, those sorts of speeds. The uh, the cane rims would have been under a lot of pressure. I'm surprised they the wheels held together. Scotty's confidence is growing. Uh, we've got another question. Andrew Morn says uh, another COVID question. Do you think the Australian New Zealand riders based in Europe will now look to come back home to avoid Northern Hemisphere winter and increasing COVID cases? Well, they'll be coming back to quarantine, won't they? So they'll all have yeah. to come back to two weeks quarantine. So the sooner they get back, the better, so they can then start. Um, preparing themselves again for next year. Um, whatever that looks like, we don't know just yet. Um, but the season's so long now, it's extended. A lot of the guys would have already been hanging it up by now. Um, Look, most of them. It's, unless the, the big teams, the riders have got it all sorted out. But I can tell you, you know, Britton Jones, uh, you know, the son of a good friend of ours, Karen, and Britton, you know, top bike rider, Australian Criterion Champion, all of that, riding in, in with an English team. And they haven't been, he hasn't been able to race. So now they want to come back and their flights keep getting cancelled. He's uh, he's really having a, a struggle. They're trying to even buy business class tickets now to get back, to do all of that, but they just cannot get on, on, on a plane. Everything just keeps getting cancelled on them. Mm, that's a bit of a worry. Well, um, but in the meantime, I saw um, Rochelle Gilmore, she went across to... Uh, the UK to commentate for BBC, the World Championships. So she's Sydney to London, and then the rest of her trip was cancelled for some reason. She was going to stay longer, but then jumped on, just jumped on a flight and came back. Um, but she did post her boarding passes, which were first class. So yeah. Brenton can raise the extra, whatever that is, $15,000 to get into first class, then he can get home. It wasn't yeah. just that, no, but it was, it was more to it than that, mate, because uh, Rochelle's father, stepfather <coughs> has a special connection with, uh, I think it's Eddie Hadd or, or Emma, it's one of those, and that was part of what got her on as well. It wasn't just as easy as getting a first-class ticket, I found out. Yeah. Oh. Well, my so old man go. used to get me free pens and paper, so... Yeah, that's all right. Uh, Scott Davies, he wants to know, what's the story behind the jerseys in Scott's background? Ah, good pickup. I put I brought in some props tonight. So those two jerseys are from, I think it's the 89. I'm, I'm actually not sure of this. 89 uh, Giro. They, they were both won by or worn by Phil Anderson. And at a, it was a testimonial dinner or something, a bit of a fundraiser, um, 
Phil had a heap of stuff there that he threw in, and I bought those two jerseys, and I've had Phil sign them for me. So two original uh, Chiclamina and the blue jersey of uh, the Giro d'Italia, worn by Phil Anderson, the great Aussie. Proud of us. Now, you know what? Our, our, our viewers are right on the ball. They pick up those jerseys in the background. They pick up the blue tack on the back <laughs> on my background. They're, they're on the ball. Well, some people watch this show on their big TVs through YouTube, so you can't miss a that, beat. So That's why I've got to step back. My, my head's too big, I reckon. Correct. All right. Now, as always, we caught up with Sports Director Matt White. This is the chat with him earlier today. Sports Director Matt White, why are you in a brand spanking new hotel? Yeah, we are. This the hotel, I was speaking to the owner last night, the hotel opened... Uh, just for summer, just for just for summer. So it's uh, it's two or three months, three months old. That uh, hotel in. We've, we've had a good run of hotels the last couple of days, and uh, we're right on the beach in a beautiful little location in uh, in southern Italy. What a what a time to be opening a hotel with all the <laughs> restrictions and shit at the moment. Yeah, well, the uh, I don't know who's going to stay here for another six months after us because the holiday season is uh, certainly stopped. Uh, but uh, it's, it's it's a nice hotel and it'd be a nice place for a holiday, actually. It does actually lift the mood quite a bit when you you've had a string of you know long transfers and so forth. And today finally looks like they've got their stage distances right. I think it's 143 k's. You can start a little bit later, better uh, night's sleep. It all adds up, mate. Over three weeks, uh, it certainly does. It certainly does. And we've got you. Got, we've got some epic days ahead of us in the last week. But uh, you'd be surprised if you, know, you get a good feed, a good hotel. It uh, certainly does uh, lift the mood of the, of the group there because, uh, you know, we are a travelling circus, about 20, about 20 hotels in 25 days. But uh, if you can get some nice, uh, nice hotels, it certainly, uh, certainly, it certainly helps. And so far, so good. Uh, obviously, we're one of the bigger teams uh, in this race and also they, the organisers do look after us. So uh, no complaints on that front, mate. So I noticed you, you you're going from the sort of right in the instep of of Italy over to the Adriatic coast today. What's the uh, and it's probably the it's just about all downhill, mate. The, if, if we demand, should be the demand today, I reckon. Yeah, he, he uh, he's certainly the informed sprinter of the year. Really, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. He's, he's close to twenty wins uh, this year. Uh, he's had a very very good season. And obviously, uh, having to uh, not ride the Tour de France, they, they made a tactical decision, FDJ, and go all in for Pinot at the Tour. Uh, but he's certainly going to get his chance to win, raffle up a couple more stages here. He's, he's the dominant force of sprinting uh, this season, and uh, he's, uh, he's got it all over the sprinters here by the looks of it. And uh, today, I was going to say, today's stage, as we said, it's, it's finally a little bit shorter, bloody pancake flat. Um, are you expecting much to happen today? Is there going to be any crosswinds or anything? Uh, Jonesy, there is. Uh, it's going to be on today. So it's, uh, we've got 20 to 25 kilometre an hour uh, tail crosswinds for the start, and which then turn into crosswinds for the finish. So the stage will be over before you know it, but uh, it's all about for us about concentration uh, and about uh, just staying focused through the stage because – there's not too many days where you do get crosswinds in the Giro, and we are getting crosswinds today because we are going from west to east. Uh, but after to, after today's stage, where it's one direction, we're going north, and so it'll either be a headwind or a tailwind from now on in from after today's stage. But today, it, it, it'll everyone knows there's wind. It'll be nervous, uh, but uh, it's it's a different field here. Like if this was the first week of the Tour de France, you've got a different type of rider here at the Giro. Not as many big, not not too many teams have their teams stacked with the big, strong guys who can rip the crosswinds apart. So uh, so for us, it's uh, we, we're really leaning on the likes of uh, Eduardo Affini and Michael Hepburn on a stage like today. Yeah. Is it is it time for one of those speeches where you say you won't win the Giro today, but you could definitely lose it if you're not well, paying I, attention? Well, I think I just, we expect – with the group I've got here, there's no excuses. They'll, they'll be in the front group uh, and uh, – we made that pretty clear last night in the debrief that uh, where they needed to be. And uh, if you want to be in the front today, you'll be in the front. And uh, if you're not in there, in, if you're not in that very, very front group, then it, it, it always it comes back here. I've, you know, after the last twenty, last twenty-five years at the Giro, I haven't seen too many crosswind stages in the Giro that have actually, after they have split, very, very few teams have the strength to go on with it. So it's always just about about wanting it and uh, putting yourself in a position to make those make those echelons. 
So it's just about discipline, really. And uh, yeah, and hunger. You you, you want to you, you want to look after your, your leader. You want you want to be in that front group. The yeah, I've got a good group of guys here. I'm not it's like we're mm. carrying around a group of six climbers under sixty kilos. Uh, Simon Yates can handle himself very well in crosswinds himself, and the other guys uh, are all in a, in a good place. Now I was setting Whitey up with mentioning discipline. Because I wanted to hit him with a harder question. Well, uh, I was speaking of round. discipline. Um, apparently, you got a 200 <laughs> Swiss franc fine <laughs> the other day, mate. Yeah, and look, <laughs> I, I, the only problem with that is there's no, there's no, we got no, no avenue to protest. Like we, uh, it was, a, it was a six and a half hour stay. So yeah, of course we had to, we had to stop for a, for a urine, urine bake. Yeah. But we stopped in the middle of nowhere, and we uh, against the wall. Like I don't know what what the hell that fine was for. Uh, I don't know where they expected us else to stop. But uh, you know that's the beauty of the show. We can't we, we can't go back to them and actually protest or or complain about that fine. But it was ridiculous. All three of us got out of the car, uh, and it was in a dead part of the race where there was not much going on. We found a quiet spot and uh, we copped the fine for it. Mate, you must have pissed someone off. Like they've got it in for you because <laughs> how did? Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, but how did Gene Bates not get a fine? He got off scot free. Well, I think because all they know is the they know which directors are in in car one, uh, car two. So anything that happens, any fines that happen with group fine, or, or my name <laughs> always come up. You know. Well, maybe it could be like the feed zone, but they've got like the piss zone, and it's like you know you you go off into the pits. All the directors line up. You could have those stand-up sort of setups they've got at the Tour de France. Yeah, those um, European urinals where there's a little <laughs> box there where three people get to the one, in one yeah, area. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, they've got to help you oh, out. Look, there. I, I understand. Understand even the riders. You know, our riders know that you know they have to they have to stop in a stage to uh, to do that. But you know, you just got to be discreet. And we we definitely were. I just don't understand why we got a fine for that. Yeah. Oh well. So now you're in the you're still in the south of Italy and the weather is terrible up north. What's the temperature t- today? Uh, low twenties, low twenties. I think uh, between eighteen and twenty three degrees. Really nice racing conditions, actually. Uh, yeah. So look, the the weather has been a bit average up north, but it's better to be average now than average when we up there up where <laughs> when we're up there in a week to ten days time. But uh, cold weather and Bad feral conditions doesn't really face us. Uh, no, we, we we know what, that there's potential there to be uh, to be facing pretty uh, frigid weather temperatures. And yeah, if it comes, it comes. We've got great equipment. Uh, Giordano do a really good job with uh, with their winter clothing and their wet weather clothing. So our, our guys are confident in the clothing, and that's a, that's a big big factor uh, about being able to handle those extreme temperatures. Now, Waddy, new hotel. Surely they've dished up a pretty nice seafood dish last night. Uh, there was. There was a lot of seafood on the on the buffet for the for the anti pasta. But uh, we had another nice. Uh, the pasta dish didn't have seafood in it, and we had a little bit of lamb last night. So there was seafood. Ooh. I got stuck into the prawns and uh, a little bit of octopus for the pre starter. But uh, the rest was a pretty standard. Pretty standard pasta dish, which is always nice, and uh, and then we had lamb last night. Mm, very good, very oh, good stuff. Well, we might have to get you to start taking some little photos and send them through because um, I want to I want to see the visuals <laughs> of some of these things just to really finish it off. Now, so what's what's your plan of attack today? You've mentioned about making sure you keep out of trouble. Not yep. likely a break will keep away, but or stay away. But so, what what's your plan of attack today? Yeah, look, a, a, a quiet day is a good day for us on, on a day like today. Uh, when you look at what we've got coming up, tomorrow will be a good day for the breakaway. I think we have more than 100 kilometres of flat, but then you have a Cat 1 in the middle of the stage today. So, yeah, I saw that. Uh, that. That'll be an interesting one because you'll get a, a weird combination of riders making the break. Obviously, if it goes on the flat, it's harder for the, for the climbers to make the break. But then those big guys are in the break. Uh, once they get to that Category 1 climb, there's not much they can do against the climbers. And then the day after, it's probably a, a, a big, another big showdown for GC uh, the day after that. So we've got we've got it. You know, today will be a fast one, a short one. We just st- stay out of trouble. Uh, no incident day is a good day. And then tomorrow, 
yeah, I'm not sure about putting people in the break tomorrow because uh, I think Sunday's pretty important and I think uh, we, we, we're going to need a little bit more support around uh, Simon throughout the stage. And the only guy that would the – only, the only two worth putting in tomorrow's breakaway would again be Poyhausen or, or Haig because uh, Lucas is way too close on general classification and uh, we're going to need him Sunday as well. So uh, the next 48 hours could be quiet and then uh, Sunday's uh, a, a big showdown before the first rest day. And your pick for the stage? Oh, I've stuffed up the editing there, John. I cut it off just before he said he's fit for the stage. So he's the last part yeah, of our well, chat with Matt very, White. Very hard to go past Demar, really. Uh, today's stage, Gaviria needs to win a stage, and uh, he, he will handle the crosswinds well. So I think I think uh, Demar is definitely the favourite, but I think Gaviria is uh, he's definitely a dark horse. And Viviani, he um he hasn't really fired this year. Like he's always been up there and abouts, but I think he finished what fourth the other day. He doesn't seem to be on top condition. No, no, I, I don't. I've heard rumblings that he's not sort of uh, hasn't really assimilated into the uh, the French culture of cofferness. Uh It's a big change from <laughs> uh, from the Wolfpack, I think. Uh, and yeah, he's. Uh, and you know, with sprinters, it's about confidence. He started off the year poorly. He had a big crash in first or second stage of Tour Down Under, limped through the Aussie summer, got back to Europe, uh, got beaten in a couple of races when he did start back in Europe in February. And then, uh, yeah, not everyone handled the, the coming out of COVID. I know Italy obviously had a, a very harsh lockdown, a 10, 10 to 12 weeks where he wouldn't have been able to train outside. But yeah, he, he, I, I still think, I don't think he's won a race this year. And I know that obviously mm. for Cofidis, for those guys going back into the world tour, he was their marquee signing. And they were, you know, for what he'd done the previous couple of years on Quickstep, they were hoping to get that. And uh, at the moment, they haven't, uh, they haven't got a win out of him, which, uh, which puts a lot of pressure on, uh, on a sprinter if you're not, not, not winning. Mm. He's got a few chances to go, but he just doesn't seem to have that same spark and, and turn of speed that he, uh, he has shown in the past. Mm. Oh, well, be interesting. All right, mate. Anything you want to add? Iffy? No, nah, that was great, Whitey, as always. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. And uh, if you can, yeah, WhatsApp, WhatsApp us some pics of your meal tonight. We really appreciate okay, I'll, that. I'll, I'll, I have my phone with me, so I'll take the money shot there. And uh, <laughs> we'll, yeah. and we'll recap it tomorrow. And we'll recap it tomorrow. All right. Good stuff, mate. See you, Gabriel Gatte. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. All right, gentlemen. <laughs> see you, mate. See you, mate. No worries. Have a good day. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting those photos through tonight. I love a good snap of uh, the Italian meals. <laughs> Magnificent. Uh, now, I've got some news, boys. I went podcast fishing whilst we were chatting away, and I've landed a pretty big fish, I reckon. George Bennett, who was on the Jumbo Business squad, uh, he's going to rival when he finishes his career as one of the best ever Kiwi riders, you'd have to say. Uh, be him and Julian Dean. But he's great, though, so he's going to come on. He's just on the trainer at the moment, and I'm just trying to mop up if he's messed. Uh, so. <laughs> Righto, Johnny, it's sponsor's time. Mission and wine. <laughs> oh, jeez, good start. If that doesn't want to make no, you go down go. a mission, I've just been fishing will. as well, so I might have a big fish as well just to clean up my own mess. But anyway, um, yeah, well, of course, Mitchelton Hotel, uh, a beautiful Mitchelton winery up at uh, Nagambi. That's uh, the Mitchelton Hotel there on the banks of the beautiful Goulburn River. And the hotel's only it's only just over a year a uh, uh, year old and it's sensational so you got the rooms on that's one view you see there you got the same view on the other side out of the other section of the river and just beautiful hotel wonderful swimming pool and the brilliant restaurant the food is to die for and of course the the uh, bottle shop or the the wine cellar is uh, uh, amazing <laughs> i like how you you used to use all these really fancy now it's just a as a bottle shop it was the oh, catacombs it, last night it, was the catacombs the, oh, the catacombs down, yeah. down below are amazing and uh, you can wander down into the 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 brilliant uh, uh, aboriginal art gallery down in the, the beginning of the catacombs you get the elevator down and then you can meander down through uh, some of the uh, Areas where they keep all that magnificent uh, um, Heathcote Shiraz and Richardson Shiraz. Um, you know what I just of- 
worked out. You know what I just worked out? You can shorten it up tonight. St Kilda are playing at the moment, so Jerry's not watching. They're uh, <laughs> down by about five points to Richmond at the moment. So, oh, just, yeah, it's a big game, a big game. Yeah. 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 Go so anyway, get, get down to Mitchelton. Get down to Mitchelton. Get down to yep. Mitchelton. Um, yep. Guys, the, uh, the, the weather in Mitchelton, obviously a bit better than it is um, in some parts of Italy. And listening to Whitey talk about the weather, it is a big concern, okay? We spoke about this uh, on the first couple of days. I've just had a quick look at the forecast going forward. Now, um, when they get into the, the stage to Sestriere, which is like the, one of the last couple of days um, at stage 20, that particular day, um, they go over the, the, the Colle del Anello, 2,733 metres. Next Thursday, so before they get there, next Thursday, the uh, maximum temperature is minus 8, minimum temperature minus 15, and snow. They've got snow the day before that. And then from tomorrow, they've got three days of snow on that climb. Um, and then if you go to, uh, when you get to um, the Stelvio, the average maximum temperature over the next two weeks is minus two and the lowest minimum minus 11. So I'll tell you what, that clothing might want to be pretty good for the riders. Um, now, Stelvio is a bit different because they just go up that climb, right? So if it might be terrible, they might have to cut it short, whatever. Um, mm. But at stage 20, that's the first big climb of the day. There are three climbs that day. They go over the Cotta Isuard as well and then finish at Sestriere. So if you've got to go over a climb that's you know, minus 5, minus 10 degrees, whatever, then descend, then up the next one and then descend, that is brutal on the body. So we'll see what happens when we get up to the big bergs. Oh, mate, no, just st I've, stuff I've, the newspaper <laughs> down and you'll be laughing. <laughs> the old days, mate. I've just sent you a little link uh, I got from, uh, from Bert, from Brett Lancaster. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Luke is not in bed. He's out oh, on the he's bike. Riding. Right. <laughs> he's riding. Okay. And, he's, and he's actually got a little uh, vision of that. So He doesn't want yeah. to come on. He doesn't want to come on now because we showed that photo of him in bed last night. <laughs> Fair enough. And we will keep running it until he finally cracks. Well, right, now go on. Go on. Well, now it's time for that amazing commercial from our mates at Bike Exchange. Look at this bike. You think it's just a bike, right? But it's not. <clears throat> it's a bike. 374 people are looking at. This guy, this girl, them, all looking at it. People from here, there, and wherever this is. People that are looking for a bike. Or just a piece of it. Amateurs. Semi-amateurs. And pro-amateurs. This guy wants this bike, but with this crank. And these bars. This could be the perfect match, but not this one. This girl has a bike to sell, and thousands of people might purchase it. Eyes on Bikes help grow small businesses. His, hers, yours, and the latest data and insights help those businesses keep moving. We are the world's number one bike marketplace, with over 500,000 products and 900 brands, where buyers and sellers are brought together in a place where a bike is never just a bike. Bike Exchange, where the world buys, sells, learns, and rides. Righto. Uh, before we get great, to... Uh, it's a sensational. Before we get to George Bennett, uh, I had the video locked into the system last night, which was when we went on safari, and I thought we saw tigers, but turns out there's no tigers in Kruger. It's all lions. So I thought, oh, well, why don't we show that? Because we didn't get time last night with Daryl Impey. So this is the detour DeLorean. Roads? Well, we're going, we don't need roads. Now, as I mentioned, they always say when you go to Kruger, don't wind your windows down. And our mechanics went one step further and got out of the car and took photos on their iPads. Here we go. Well, it's early morning here, Pia, before six o'clock. We're leaving very early for Kruger National Park. We're going to see lots of lions and tigers and bears. Where's Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Mr. Stevens won't be coming with us today. He's uh, He's been ill the last couple of days and uh, he's bedridden. <laughs>
Andre. Hey, Andre. Hey, Andre. Don't get out of the car, man. Doesn't they grab your phone out of your hand? Hey, in Indonesia, they do. They come, they take your sunglasses, they train them to take your sh Open the door now, boys. Don't f open the door now. <laughs> <laughs> Been a tiring start so far. Why? We saw more at uh, Crystal Springs than what we've seen over here, so hopefully it gets better from here on. Jesus, the damn mood in your car. We're loving it in there. Oh, okay, well, that's good. Can I give you a fun fact? No. <laughs> Every single zebra's stripes are slightly different. Yes. Like a thumbprint. Yeah. And the second fun fact is always have your door closed <laughs> when you There's the sheriff version of the zebra. <laughs> Happy now, mate, or you still got the shit? It's improved. It's improved. It's an improvement. I'm happy. I'm happy. Dan. But uh, everybody I'm else really seems happy. pretty happy, so I'm happy that uh, everybody else is happy. Well, what, 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 I, I knew it would be difficult to find a big five, but it would be nice, you know. So I'm, I'm. It's like when my dad says to me, "I'm not upset. I'm just disappointed." <laughs> you know, it's like that kind of thing. All right, so we need a line now. Yeah, we need a line. That would be great. But oh, uh, let's like yeah. hen's teeth out here. Oh, I think that was probably just come from the driver. Actually, I think uh, the passengers in there, me, Esteban, and um, Christian, all had a blast. Uh, you know, people travel from all over the world to see these animals in the Kruger National Park, and it's just around the corner, so it was a great opportunity and uh, a good rest day activity. What was your highlight of that day? Uh, the lion, seeing the lion on the way out, actually. Yeah, that that. Uh, just uh, that was the icing on the cake for me. It was awesome up until then, and then uh, I just wanted to see a big cat at the end of the day, and we saw that line. Look, uh, being a tour guide is not my forte, but uh, 11 different uh, official languages here in South Africa. We've got uh, here in Pilgrim's Rest down here, it used to be an old gold mining town which uh, ran out of gold really, and uh, it was also a trading post from what Owen tells me. So uh, he'll give you a little bit more about South Africa. This guy knows it all. Uh, I wish I knew it all, but yeah, Daryl's got it right there. The old trading post gold mining town um, Kruger National Park our biggest game park in South Africa we've got nine uh, provinces in South Africa and you're in Pumalanga at the moment which is uh, a far northeastern corner of South Africa natural waterfalls we've got Mac Mac pools we've got Lisbon Falls Berlin Falls God's window basically on a clear day you can see you can nearly see Europe from there it's so beautiful um, what about food, Darryl? The food, the meat here in South Africa, everybody's been raving about the meat. Uh, we've probably got the finest cuts of meat in South Africa. Best butchers, you know, best game. We grain feed everything, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, so, no, we've, we've uh, I think the guys have really been enjoying South Africa. They've enjoyed the food, the culture. Um, a lot of them thought we lived in huts, so it's been good to show them that actually we've got houses and electricity sometimes of the day. Yeah, I didn't really get to see any part of the Kruger National Park. I um, spent most of the day on the dunny, uh, trying to feel, feel a bit under the weather. But anyway, the boys, they did their best to try to make me feel, you know, part of the team. Brought back this bloody wonderful T-shirt. Hey, good on you, Neil. <laughs> Oi, we've, we've got our fish. He's, he's in the boat. Georgie Bennett, how are you? Oh, sorry, I've already... What were we going to say? No, that's all right. No, yeah, George. He's still, he's still firing up. He's still firing up. Um, you mentioned tigers in Africa, which we don't have. But at the start of that, Whitey said, looking to see lions, tigers, and bears. So yeah, he was worse. None of those. Lions. You were fine. Oh. Well, lions, yes, but not tigers or bears. Yeah. Um, they don't miss a trick. Ian Thomas says Daryl has his name on the car. That's correct. Um, 
Yeah. He had a sponsorship deal, I think, with Subaru. Uh, George Bennett is back. I think he's Here having internet issues, but he is back. Hello. GB. Um, mate. Mother, never trying. How are you, Come boys? on. Internet. <laughs> George, how are you, mate? No. <laughs> good. I'm good. good. I'm just, so, uh, what's happening with your Wi-Fi? Uh, post-training. Wow. Well, should have been up with the Wi-Fi. I thought it was. I was playing them Bluetooth. Oh, that's all right, mate. How many? But... Yeah, uh, that's all right. We, we've had many Wi-Fi issues oh, on, on the old detour oh, podcast. The old... All right. Well, you sort it out. Have you got any others? Any better? Yeah. Okay. You on the? Yeah, that's better. I think we're we're, we're right now. How many Ks today, mate? No. <laughs> you there? <laughs> George, can you hear us? All right, George. Yeah, now we're in. You're back we're in now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, just yeah. a heads up, mate. I know on the social distance we drop f bombs left, right, and center, but it's a different demographic on the detour. <laughs> we just really try and keep it keep it clean. The children's oh, you've show. Me. You've been able to hear me this whole time. Yeah, we no. we we threw you on live. Oh, that's that's all right, time. mate. Yeah, how's it all going? Good, good, good. Just in from uh, our easy, beautiful day in Girona. Last of the good days, I think. Winter's coming. Yep. And uh, oh, hang on, how's this? We're adding to the mix. We've got both members from the Do- Social Distance Podcast, Sam Gooley. Hey, Gooley, you've got breaking news for the Detour Live. Breaking news coming hot off the press. What is it? Harry Roubaix has been cancelled officially. Oh, uh, so real shame for the woman because they were going to be lining up in their first ever um, woman's edition of Harry Roubaix. So they yeah, don't have to wait until next shame. year. Um, well, Sam, we've got George Bennett as a special guest on. Is there any questions? Question, any Hi. questions? Any questions you'd open the batting with for George? Have you just got him on? Have you? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm fresh in. Um, oh, this is not my show. <laughs> George, I'm going to ask you, George, what's your program for the rest of the year, mate? Uh, one race left, fortunately. Only one. Unfortunately, it's three weeks long. So, uh, <laughs> big, big stint ahead of the Vuelta. Um, I was meant to... I was actually originally going to do the tour and then um, tag one on and do the Giro afterwards, but I was just so dead after the tour i i went to the worlds and sort of limped around at the back for a while and pulled out and then um so that meant they pulled me out of the classics as well which was which was actually really good news for me and then i've just had a few weeks to just concentrate and i'm back training and i'm actually feeling feeling all right again so uh yeah heading to heading to welter and what is it 10 days or something like that and um yeah just gonna see what happens i mean it's unknown territory for everyone so who got the call up then if you didn't do the you pulled out of doing the Giro. Who was the rider that's um got the tap on the shoulder? I think it was actually young Australian uh Chris Harper. Chris, ha- Chris um, Harper, oh. because he was down to do the Vuelta. I mean, it was all pretty loose, there was nothing locked in, and it was kind of like we said we'd talk about the Giro on the second rest day, and it got to the second rest day, and they I said, Don't talk to me about anything. <laughs> Talk to me about Paris. <laughs> hey, George, I saw in cycling news today, we were, we were trying to get um, Dave Brailsford on the show today, but um, if he stuffed it up. And uh, I saw an article where he said they're going to have a full review because he, a lot of teams have caught up or overtaken uh, Ineos, and your team was, was mentioned in that article. What is it that you guys have done better this year, you think, um, is it all down to those custom pillow cases and um, bismuth bed sheets? Yeah, I mean, the whole marginal gains thing, I mean, there's definitely merit to that. But um, the main thing is we just signed, we've just signed really good guys. I mean, you look at our tour team, it's Tony Martin, we signed him from Katusha. I mean, he was there last year already, but we've got Roglic, who's, okay, he's been a big part of the development of this team. But we brought in Dumoulin, we brought in... Um, uh, who else? We've just just guys that we've signed that have added. Oh, Walt Van Aert. He's a, you know he's also like a guy that's we've we brought in from cyclocross, and we're just bringing in big guys. So it, there is a, a relation to budget, but it's a lot of teams have good riders, and what we do behind the scenes is we're also just doing all these minor things. I mean, I'm talking like 
TT handlebars that are custom built and and nutrition apps and all those little things that you you need to make really good riders even better. Um, on the Ineos thing, I mean, we they they got yeah for sure we've caught up, but um, you know they've also just had some real bad luck. I mean Bernal, I mean G looked up for the Giro for sure. Everyone was you know he was number one favorite I think. Him and Yatesy, and and they've just had bad luck all over the place. So, you know, you can have all the custom pillowcases and nutrition apps you like, but if someone breaks their pelvis, I mean, it's not going to help. Mm. Um, Bully, your marginal gains at the moment. You you still weighing your food, aren't you? Uh, I haven't been weighing it as strictly as I was before the tour. Um, <laughs> I need a haircut. That'd be a marginal gain, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> No, but I have been, yeah, like George was saying about the, you know, the nutrition apps and things, that stuff's becoming a big part of cycling. Obviously, um, nutrition and weight has always been a big part of cycling. But the fact that there's so many more, uh, there's so many options out there now with, with app, apps and uh, we, we use nutritionists as well as, as, as George's team and probably most teams, I'd say. Um, so, so much more ability to be able to, to be a bit more scientific about losing weight, uh, a bit smarter about it. Uh, which is really important to, um, for a lot of reasons, health as well. Uh, and you can really, you know, you can get the most out of out of those things. And that's obviously what uh, George's team's been doing really well the last year or two. And like you, like you see, uh, they are they have overtaken Ineos in a sense, and and um, in that way. And I think that you guys, George, correct me if I'm wrong, but you've probably have followed the model of Ineos a little bit. And I think, uh, I mean, you guys also. <coughs> Indulge in a, in a fair bit of training camps, altitude training camps now, um, more mm. so than you than you did in the past. That's that's definitely an Ineos model. They've spent a lot of time at training camps. And you guys are doing lots of that now as well. So, yeah, lots of lots of things changing out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, um, would you rather be a pro cyclist? Okay, give okay. Take away the dark history of the sport, but. Um, if you could just, in terms of what your day, your day to day looked like, your nine to five looked like back in say, nineteen ninety five, you know, like you you never would have got up and weighed your food. You never would have done five hours with with two hours of efforts on you know the power meter or numbers you had to write down on your hand because you didn't couldn't remember all your training and you know you couldn't you just go out for a ride with the boys and then you'd sprint for some crossings and things like that and and now it's like I can't you know. Me and you could both have five hours, but we couldn't ride together because we've got, you've got strength efforts and I've got mediums and, and you know, it's like, so cycling and also we spend, I mean, okay, it helps I've got a house at altitude, but if you don't have a house at altitude and you're doing just camps, I mean, you do a hundred race days and then you do another hundred days a year living up on top of a mountain. So, um, you know, cycling has become, uh, a lot more professional and a lot more required mentally and physically of of riders i think now i mean not that the guys didn't train hard back then i think they just didn't know you know and and fast forward 10 years what are we going to be doing i mean is it that we're going to be you know it's about nutrient timing and stuff and okay you can only eat at this hour or this lot and you know there's so many more restrictions on your life coming in the more professional and the more we know about the sport well i'll tell you what i'll be doing in 10 years i'll be watching <laughs> Back in the 70s, George, uh, I used to weigh my cigarettes. <laughs> no, I was right into it, mate. Uh, Scooter. Question, question to, uh, to both you guys. Um, just listening to that, George, what about if you're going to do all these training camps plus all the days you're away racing, How what sort of strain is that putting on relationships for those riders that have girlfriends or, or wives or families? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 in a super lucky position um, because Kate. Well, one the fact that we live up in Andorra, uh, that's that's huge. So, I can do a lot of camps at home with Caitlin, um, and I think Caitlin just gets sick of me when I'm home, so she probably quite enjoys it. But I think for a lot of people, it is it is hard because, um, especially this year. I mean, you look at the schedule. I I was basically on the road from the twentieth. I worked out the other day, like the twenty sixth of August. I left. And didn't come home until after the tour for more than than a day and a half or something. So it was just this outrageous schedule that um, that was hard for a lot of people. And um, I think it's a lot easier now with Skype and and things like that. But I think back when you know 
boys were wearing their cigarettes in 1975, you <laughs> sent, sent a letter and or I don't know what you did. You just plug it off and, and hope for the best and come home and, you know, the, the, the postman's winking at you and you're wondering what he's winking at and you sort of hope for the best. <laughs> <laughs> and, and your kids that you, you, your kids that come along later on don't look like you. Um, yeah. What about uh, – one of the questions that was put to us from one of the viewers was um, – this was specifically to the Australians, but it's, it's the I've, same. I've got it right here. You can read it, Scotty. Yeah, where is it? No, it hasn't come up for me. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, but it was it's basically just... what? What are you going to do? Oh, you read it out, Dan. Oh, it says another COVID question. What do you think the Australian and New Zealand riders based in Europe will now look to come back home to avoid Northern Hemisphere winter and increasing COVID cases? Mm. Mm. I was having this discussion actually with somebody uh, with Paddy Bevan yesterday out on the bike. Um, at the, as it stands at the moment, a lot of us are staying in Europe because because of the quarantine rules back in New Zealand. Uh, obviously, when you arrive in New Zealand, as we all know, you've got to spend two weeks in a hotel. You have to pay for it yourself. Um, so a lot of us are, are planning to avoid that and stay in Europe so we can, we can continue training. But it is a good thought and a good question because the cases are spiking here. Um, restrictions are coming back in. Uh, we, have, we have more restrictions here in Catalonia than we did, say, a month ago. And I guess we are staring down the barrel of a potentially another lockdown. I don't think it will happen. Um, economically, I don't think they can do it. Uh, so I think we'll still be okay here. But if if they did lock down again like they did in April and March, April and May here, then I think the two weeks in a hotel back in New Zealand would be better, would be a better option. So if that does happen, I would probably be, be looking at getting on the first plane out of here. Uh, but I don't think it will happen. Mm. What do you reckon, George? Yeah, um, we're, we're battling with this. This is, I mean, for me, I've, um, you know, it's not just my decision. It's sort of Caitlin as well. And, um, you know, she she wants to go home and see her family, but she's also um, in the same boat as me. The thought of two weeks in a hotel is just, uh, there's something really hard to get your head around. I mean, being stuck in, in, in your own house for two weeks, like, no worries. Um, you can keep yourself busy. You can ride the erg. You can do Swift or whatever. But I'm hearing horror stories coming out of these isolation hotels. There's not even enough room to do skipping or anything, you know. And I just don't know if I can put myself through that. I mean, but on the other hand, I've got a lot of nieces, nephews that are young, growing up. I want to see them. I mean, I talked to my niece the other day when I left New Zealand in, in February. She couldn't speak. And now she can have a phone call with me. And I think, wow, that's just crazy, you know. I'm going to yeah. miss this growing up. And your parents aren't getting younger, all of that stuff. So it would be really, you know, it's always important for me to go home and see everyone. But... On the other hand, I just I think I'd rather be cold than than in Europe. Um, and, and you know, it's a, it's not a bad year to stay because I think, like Bill said, there's so many guys that are in the same boat, just going, we can't do this lockdown. Let's all stick it out here. And, and, and you know, Christmas away from home would be hard. But if you're all here with all your mates, and we can kind of, you know, find a way around it and and you know, muck it out together, and and maybe it won't be, or at least be a lot more bearable than, than you know, stuck in Europe by yourself when everyone's back in NZ. Yeah. Um, well, George, I was just going to ask, uh, it was fantastic to see Primoz win uh, liege Baston liege uh, especially after, you know, the, the, the dramas of the Tour de France. It must have been a really great uh, feeling for the whole team to see him be able to come back and do that. Oh, yeah, I was sitting here on the couch and uh, I nearly got in eviction notice i think from noise control um <laughs> when, I, when i when i saw that sprint it was uh, it was exciting times and um it was an awesome race and i think everybody worldwide's pretty happy for primos i mean it wasn't we can't say you know it's not that he was robbed of victory in the tour he was just beaten he was just beaten by a stronger guy but um you know we all felt his heartbreak or and you know we all put in so much and you know, it, it's it's not like, okay, now it's all even and, and, and everything's good. But, I mean, he wins the monument and um, I just, you know, it's a good feeling in the team and, and yeah, I think everyone's excited about it. And then we also go, okay, if he's still up for Liège, he's still up to race like that, then then what are we going to do at the Vuelta? You know, maybe he's, if he can carry that going, then, uh, you know, it's just it just puts a good energy in the whole team. Yeah. I've got a fan question for you, George. Uh, was wants to know what's the what difference do the ketone drinks make? Um, not not a heap. You know, you hear teams or people uh, hyping them up like that. Awesome. I've actually um, I, I've gone off them in in like in races 
Um, some guys use them. Some guys, some guys, a lot of guys actually don't even use them at all. Um, or there's, you know, there's different ways you can use them for recovery, things like that. Um, they're not, they're not a silver bullet. That's for sure. They're not um, the knockout thing that makes you from, you know, your average Joe into into Tour de France rider. So, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I mean. It's also hard to measure though as well because, you know, you go, oh, you take them and then the next day you might feel, still feel average, but of course you feel average at stage 15 of the Tour de France. I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you're going to feel feel rough. So it's it's hard to be really objective about them. And I think, you know, if I was really going to make the, I'm still making my mind up, but if I was really going to make the definitive decision, I'd need to do some kind of clinical trial with, you know, a double blind study and, and, and all these things. And, and yeah, so... I don't know. Spend your money on your wife or something. Marginal gains. <laughs> Marginal gains. That's right. Um, we've got another one. Stuart Magnitosh wants to know, George, will you ever get a chance to be the protected GC rider at a Grand Tour? Is this where your career is heading? Yes. Yes, definitely. Um, tour de France next uh, year? No, it won't be the tour, but um, it'll be. I'll, I'll be around. I'll be uh, taking a run at GC and, um, in the near future. All right. Well, Bewley's had to run. Uh, we better let you go, George, because you've yeah, got to fire up for got... the Social Distance, Distance Podcast. Massive show oh, tonight. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be, uh... Thanks, it's gonna be George. Uh, thanks for coming on, mate. Fantastic. All right. Hey, cheers, guys. See you later. Good on you, mate. Right, Take mate. it easy. Yeah, mate. Bye. Boys, there you go. Delivered. Well done, Dan. A couple, couple of good insights there. Um, I, just, I, just, I, me, I just I got a message from uh, um, a couple. I went fishing as well, and I just got a message from about three different people telling me Perro Bay uh, has been cancelled. So Bert sent us one, uh, yep. and Dara sent us one, uh, and I've just got a message back from Alan Piper. He'd love to come on. But uh, he's on doing a road uh, uh, reconnaissance of uh, what did he do a road? He told me here. Ruby, uh, D- don't worry about it, Al. Come on the show now instead. Well, <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Just pull over. Tell everyone to pull over. Get off your bikes and get on the show. Well, we've seen, um, we've seen a fair get, bit of get Wevel, of, um, get, we- get Wevel game. Okay, I've seen plenty of footage of uh, of the late. No, no, it's where he's been doing the recce, um, uh, Alan Piper. But I've seen yep. plenty of footage of um, of the ladies. Checking out the cobbles, you know, and and you know, doing all their course reconnaissance, etc. Um, mm. So they, as as um, um, Sam said, you know, they would be devastated to not have a crack at it. Um, like some of them are probably yeah. happy that it's not on because they'd be absolutely petrified of it. Um, but that's the same with the guys as well. But um, mm. for the ones that really wanted to have a crack at that, they would be so disappointed. So have to wait till next year. Well, I'm disappointed as well. I had so many good photos lined up. Look, look at this. There's an old one of Dave in his career. There's another one where you know. Um, Garen's won the tour and he's in the car. You know, we could have we could have relived the Froome days. You know, like there's a there's a yeah, real right. serious chat. We'll get him. Anyway. We'll get him in a couple of days. We will get him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we will. We'll we'll All right. Before we go, selections, boys. Who's going to win today? Demar is not under the radar anymore. Jeez, two dollars ten. That's short. Kaviria, three dollars. Needs to do something. Viviani put a red text to throw him. Sagan, a lot of second places. He's due. Uh, Hodge, who's Hodge? No, Hodge. He'll, he'll be well. He's there to lead out Ballerini, so um, mm. they could flip it round. But uh, you know, Ballerini was third on the day, the first day that Demar won, and he was only like, literally half a wheel, or less than that, because it was so close between all three. We focused on Sagan in second and Demar mm. in first, but um, Ballerini was right there as well. So yeah, fourteen, not too bad. I think Hart goes with Demar because he's been so. Strong, but Gaviria mm. would be super desperate because yep. this this could be you know, the only chance you'll have for a while. Yep. The only thing that makes you nervous is the crosswinds. You know, it could just sort of split to pieces. So if he he's not in that front group, then you know, usually the strong guys that are in form, like your Demars, they won't miss the split. So just got to wait and see. And Group Palmer, right, you... Group Palmer are super motivated to help, you know, do the, everything they can for Demar. They've got the confidence. They will mm. be the team that will take control of the final. Uh, but Gaviria is definitely the smoky. Yep. Uh, and we'll try and Demar, get Grace. De, de, Demar's demand. Demar's demand. Yep. Demani. Demar's demand. Demani. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we'll try and get Grace Brown on the show 
tomorrow. We we thought we had her lined up tonight, but we'll try and get her tomorrow. And they're not racing Roubaix now, so hopefully we can uh, get her on the show. Anything you want to add before we go, boys? No, uh, apologies. Uh, uh, Dave Brussels has apologised, so, uh, but we'll get him on. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Yeah. I've just got a message as well. I went fishing um, and Eddie Merckx said maybe another time. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. All right. We'll stay tuned I, I will, tomorrow. I will, get, I will get Eddie before the end of the Giro. Okay. So tomorrow we're going to have Dave Brailsford, Eddie Merckx, um, Lance Armstrong is going to be on, and Cadell Evans. Stay tuned. Massive show. See you tomorrow.